0: Welcome to the Tech People podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as an ambassador for Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, where nurturing people can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, guys. As always, this is your host, Ken Coring speaking. In today's globalized world, businesses are increasingly operating with distributed teams, including remote customer support. The Asia Pacific region, with its diverse cultures and languages, presents unique challenges for managing these teams. So join us as we speak to George Ackle, a seasoned expert from Australia, to cover the lessons he's learned from managing these teams in Asia. We'll explore the challenges strategies and tools for building successful, more customer support operations in this dynamic region. With that, let's welcome George to the show.
1: Welcome to the show, George. Thanks for having me, Ken. Really excited to be on uh, the podcast today with you.
0: Oh, thank you. My first guest from the APAC region, and we're looking forward to learning more <laughs> about your experiences and in terms of culture, working, uh, you know, in the outsourcing and customer support. But before we get there, let maybe tell our audience a bit about who are you and what's your current role, please.
1: Well, Ken, I started off in finance. Uh, like yourself, I'm, I'm an accountant by profession and uh, moved into human resources. I mean, it's a long story, but fell into there effectively with a cost centre change and uh, found myself in HR. So I've spent probably the good part of 20 plus years in human resources Mainly focusing on uh, solving issues throughout the HR function. So, bringing my business and finance acumen to the HR function. So, throughout my career in corporate, I managed uh, about 17 countries across the Asia Pacific region from an HR perspective, from a risk management, shared services, headed up HR for Southeast Asia as well. So, I've brought all that experience into my own business now, running a company called Govern HR. We help leaders solve complex HR issues, structural or or procedural. For example, we guide with with vendor selection. We help with restructuring the HR function, business alignment, those sorts of things. We've introduced some new uh, programs with HR Riskonomics, which (laughs) I call it, and uh, okay. that's applying a broad-based HR risk framework to identify, remedy, and mitigate HR risk. So, you know, that includes vendor risk. That includes all, all aspects. I mean, HR generally is is managing the, the most significant cost base for any organization. It has a responsibility from a, a financial and uh, reputational risk perspective. And the second one is running HR as a business, and that's effectively looking to professionalise the HR function, so to speak. So, they're the things that I'm, uh, you know, I'm passionate about. And I'm working on at the moment. Fantastic! Charles. Sounds very
0: cool. Okay, well, listen. Today we're talking mm-hmm. about the topic about managing remote customer support teams in a mm-hmm. and maybe we could just start with, uh, you know, what are the biggest challenges in your experience of doing this?
1: So, you know, I've been uh, involved in, in that BPO and, and the, uh, moving services offshore for, for that entire 20 plus years. So we, we, uh, really pioneered the BPO business in Asia Pack. The biggest challenges really from a remote customer support perspective is obviously you've got the geography and a little, dissimilar and similar with Europe, for example, but from a geographic perspective, it's more than landmass. It's oceans, it's cultural, it's language, those types of things. So keeping connected with teams, facilitating feedback sessions have been absolutely uh, challenging. The other one, of course, is the the perennial issue of uh, turnover. It has been not uncommon to have 30 40% staff turnover where you're, uh, you know, when you're trying to provide customer support, that's significant because people are losing that connectivity. People are losing that continuity of service, continuity of relation, continuity of knowledge. And this happens where you have a significantly competitive market. Now, the secret there had, had been, you know, to provide a good employee value proposition, to create that stickiness, to keep people, to make your place an attractive place to work, and once you've got people there, to make them feel like they're part of the organisation and really wanting to stay. I think looking at, for example, ops talent. You know, we, we've been talking about that, and reading a lot about that, and understanding it more. You seem to, and I think I'll throw back a question to you. I think uh-huh. we we seem to. See, you've created that stickiness. I mean, whatever you look at, be it the client reviews or the employee reviews, and I understand you, you've just won another award from a staffing perspective. That creates the stability. This is the thing that was a significant challenge when setting up and managing a report, a remote customer support team, was how you do that. And we learned very quickly, it's not. It's not something you can be trained in. It's not something that can be learned. You really need to have that inbuilt skill that it's more than a skill. I think it's it's more a, a quality of the individual to be able to really understand the importance of creating an environment for employees in which they're they're happy to be there. They have purpose. Purpose is key, is critical. And that translates to customer support and customer service. And you find that your customers are far more, far happier with that when the underlying service provider is satisfied, is happy, is in tune with, with your needs. Thank you, George. And, and so true. I mean, yes, we did win
0: the best employee experience this evening in London. i of absolutely thrilled with that. Well done. For us, yeah, thank you. For us, I mean, it's culture that's been built from the ground up. I mean, it's taken years. It's something that we live each and every day from the top management down to absolutely everyone in that organization. People that I can buy into it and bring in there and get passionate about it, and build around it. And we build everything else like around the company, around that culture. And absolutely. That and, it's, uh, and it's living that every day. That's the key. I'll be honest. With you. It,
1: living it is the key. That's exactly right, Ken. Sorry to cut you off there. That I mean, is- a lot of people. We'll we'll wear wear the uh, the ribbon or or whatever it exactly. is for the day, but it's about delivering it. And you very quickly find through the KPIs where you have staff turnover, where you have negative feedback, where you have uh, consistent issues with client support that they are all symptoms of an underlying issue with management. More often right. than not,
0: exactly, exactly.
1: Well, talk to me about. I mean, because
0: I'm very interested in the APEC region, and I suppose, too, like I can, just looking from the outset in, the cultural differences must be there. I mean, you look at all the different countries, like, you know, the Japans, Chinas, Australia, you know, the Indian, could also really different cultures. I mean, in your experience, how do you even manage that, you know, that those different cultures? and How <laughs>
1: how do you approach it from managing remote sport? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed thought Sydney was the, the center of the universe <laughs> and uh, quickly learned it wasn't when I uh, moved into Asia, first of all, moved into to Singapore, where I was managing this. And, and you're quite right. Culturally, and I mean, you've got to remember there's a lot of history, just like in Europe, a lot of yeah. history between these countries. And uh, you really need to listen. I found listening is the key. I've always been one of these people who rushed to solve a problem. You know, yeah. I was quick to solve it. You know, I've got the solution. This is this is simple. You know, bang, here it is. But working across the region, it became quite clear to me that I needed to approach the issues from a local perspective, right? Wow. Some could be solved with a one-size-fits-all solution. Others needed some tinkering, some persuasion, some discussion, and that was – that was a big learning for me. Understanding some of the, the language, when you talk about language, I mean, some countries are at a, they're all at different stages of their commercial evolution or, or their commercial life cycle. So some countries, English is a given. It's learnt at school. It's encouraged. Uh, it's the, the language of business. Others, it's absolutely not. So you need to be familiar with that for sure.
0: What I was just thinking there, I mean, like you mentioned locally, and I that's a key point that you made there, I mean, working across those different countries. So would you have offices delivering locally then with, uh, in each of those countries, or would you have a mix of that? Maybe one country would manage a few other countries in terms of operation requirements. What was the impact? Look, you,
1: you tend to, I mean, the, one of the benefits of you know, centralized support is having it all in, in one place, you know. So right. the, the first drive shouldn't be cost, but but it is cost. Cost is there. But then you need to ensure you've got the, the appropriate infrastructure and you've got the the appropriate language skills. Now, centering it in one location is the best option, right? Because uh, you can then focus all your management time on that and working with the client side to understand where it's all going to be centered, where it's all going to be coming from, introducing them to the respective team leads. Now, having said that, there were certain locations where finding the language skills was very difficult. And when you did, you knew the individual was going to be highly sought after by others in that same industry. So it was a reliability issue. So for a couple of countries, the service was centered elsewhere where local language was available and uh, you could tailor that to it. But from a majority, I mean, you're talking about 17 countries at the time, and all but two were, were centralized. Oh, okay. In one location, I was. There, I
0: mean, and we have to handle all the languages of those locations. That's like, as I you're talking like Japanese, Vietnamese, I don't Japanese, know Japanese
1: was was the difficult one. Right. And in the region at the time, and and still today, if you you were multilingual, you could speak Japanese and English, you were highly sought after. You know, there was right. no question about that. The rest of the region. Was very much English centric, so everywhere from um, you know from Mauritius uh, right through to you know, Pakistan and China and Hong Kong and Singapore and Taiwan and Philippines, those sorts of things. English is the main language. Well, it's an acceptable language. It's a language that is very, very much used in business. Okay, that makes it easier then. Yeah, it's significantly easier. So, that they are some of the uh, unique aspects of the, uh, the Asia Pac region. I mean, you, you could talk about politics, you could talk about all those sorts of things. I mean, whether you like it or not, there are still people who, who refuse to be serviced from certain locations because of historical oh, really? reasons. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Quite parochial. You've also got a lot of uh, data cross border data issues as well in in some of the countries a lot of the apac had previously been looking at us based regulations and implementing those but over the last probably 10 years or so i've seen more and more european laws and legislations being used as a template for laws in the region itself so data protection laws those sorts of things so centralizing a payroll where you cannot transfer personnel data across border is is very difficult, for example. So you know know. in certain locations. So you, you have to have some mitigating strategies. You need to be able to talk to the regulators. You need to be able to articulate how you mitigate the risk for them. And you can get the approval. You know, the other thing of course is when you Providing a service, if you're a regulated organization, you're providing a service often if you then outsource part of that service elsewhere, regulators want to know and want to test it and want to be able to understand the relationship and how you manage that. So there are lots of steps there. And you mentioned outsource. So did you just outsourcing or did you use your own
0: offices or was it a company?
1: No, no, we we used – I mean – when you think about it, you got 20,000 people. So there was a lot of outsourcing, but the shared services was uh, in-house, in just offshore. Right. Okay, I get it. And talk to us about, you know, I mean, you know, going back to like the strategies
0: that you found to be most effective in terms of building trust and rapport with your support teams. What did you come, I mean, what kind of strategies did you come up with? How did you approach those strategies? Maybe, you know, and what lessons did you learn from it also? on that journey
1: yeah. remove the threat factor <laughs> okay people are always suspicious on having this being done by someone else elsewhere right? right um so you need you need to get the buy-in of everyone involved that's absolutely important you need to show where the benefit's going to be right freeing up people for for other work for other strategic work for However you do it, you need to be able to articulate that. You need to be able to stand up and talk to people. Otherwise, you're setting it up to fail from the beginning. And I think this is, again, one of the methodologies that Ops Talent uses from that perspective is the the desk extension, creating that feeling. You know, If you sit and forget, out of mind, out of sight, out of sight, out of mind, you lose the whole link. So interaction between both sides is key. You know, rowing in the same direction. Everybody's got skin in the game. Everyone's working towards the same objective is an absolute key there, and and sometimes is is overlooked, and uh, you end up with with nasty outcomes. Just in
0: on that one, so that, that's an interesting point you mentioned. So, like, how did you address that, then? How did you overcome that
1: in your experience? Well, being very very new at it, the way that was solved is giving groups time together so flying someone from the support center the customer support team to the home location where they could meet they can discuss i mean once you've broken those barriers people realize well you know fred's not that bad you know fred's actually (laughs) gets it you know or or jenny understands it completely which is great let's do it and you know, oh, yeah, we, we had dinner or we had lunch or we, it was a great time. And you build that rapport and, and that works. That helps it flow. That, but it's important because you realize you can focus too much from a client perspective. You need to also focus on the customer support teams and make them feel that they are part of something. What is their purpose? Their purpose is is to create this great experience for these customers at the other end. And these customers, this is what they do. This is who they are. This is what they deliver. This is what they're passionate about. So understanding that. So that's how we did that. And also regular service review meetings. And uh, again, I'm sorry to to say it again, but you, as I understand it from the experience have really front up and have those regular meetings monthly or quarterly or... or is
0: monthly always there. it's always monthly with us uh, so we have these management meetings on both sides just to discuss you know are there any issues out there look at some of the reports mm-hmm. how is it going what's mm-hmm. working well what's not working so well what do we need to change that um, take that away put, put actions on it and then see if it's been resolved obviously if we've got some big issues we might have to meet again more regular um, mm-hmm. or are we wait again to next month and review what's been the results of those actions and if it's working well again, great, fantastic, we move on. If it's not, then we have to take alternative action.
1: And, yeah, see, you know,
0: something. That's It's be proactive, really.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's where I've seen it fail in the past, where people yeah. sit and forget. You get a deck of reports on a monthly or quarterly basis. You flick through it. Some things are red, something things are green, something's a amber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes in a the, in the bottom drawer, never to be seen again. Until if some festering issue is just sitting there and and bubbling up and bubbling up and bubbling up, you don't realize that until it snaps. So, having these regular meetings at that high level is important. And and let me tell you, it's not purely about the customer support team, it's about the client. Sometimes, what I've learned, right, is uh, the client is not using the service correctly, or the client is dropping the ball on part of their KPIs, right, Right. or their deliverables. And as a result, it's creating a bottleneck at the customer support side, right? So it's important for both. This is service review. It's it's two-way feedback, and you need to be prepared to understand that. You need to be prepared to accept that quite often. I mean, one very, very significant one, I, I received complaints about the customer support team it was quite vitriolic. I mean, it was, you know, venomous to, to that point. Well, and so uh, pack the bags, stamp the passport, off I go, and dig through, you know, sit with them and, and have, have a really look, close look at it and realize that in actual fact, the deliverables to the customer support team were running on average a week behind and as a result, the customer support team was delivering a week behind, you know, was actually That's delivering four days behind because right. they they worked hard to, to bring it together. So, you know, what started off as a client issue with the customer support team quickly, you know, we made management aware. We we sat with right. the with the client and, and we explained the situation. It's not about a blame game, it's just about yeah. identifying where the, the, the frailties are, you know, where things are, are falling apart and learning from them. So that's key. That meeting is key. The other one, the strategies, is don't move a broken process or a broken service, right? Because okay. if you're cutting and pasting, if, you, if you're talking with a customer support organization like, like yours, and, and we're talking about what we want done and how we want it done and these sorts of things, and how we're doing it today is not efficient or is not sound, then telling you to do it that way, this is the way we do it, this is the way we want it done, it's just not, you know, you're not going to gain any efficiency. So one of the greatest benefits that our customer support teams were able to offer, and I particularly found this in the Philippines, where value add came back in the uh, sense of giving direction or advice and suggestions on how to better improve process on the other side. So not just fulfilling your customer support responsibilities, but going a step ahead and helping out with, hey, you know, I've done this so many times and I understand this. And how about, have you thought of doing it this way? Have you thought of, you know, that constructive feedback can improve significantly your process and your customer experience?
0: Yeah, great. It's on a true partnership. That's the way it should be.
1: Yeah. 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 How about, you know, in your
0: experience, like there was a strategy that you up with, with, which thought brilliant at the time, but when you put them into practice, it it didn't work.
1: The one size fits all. Okay. Really, that's, you know, that, that didn't work very well. The other one really was ignoring this desk extension approach initially rolling it out the strategy was well simple this is what we want the customer support team to do to manage to deliver on and uh forget and you know off you go, go. and we quickly found there was such a significant disconnect it became a commoditized sort of service a product a cut and paste cut and paste no feeling no passion for for the function, for the role, no appreciation on the other side, no communication. And uh, it brought some of the relationships to breaking point. So thinking back now, that, that was a failed strategy initially, but we learned from it, learned from it and, and applied it to, to everything from there on. Yeah, you just have
0: to keep on walking at these things, don't you? Even if they're going, yeah, going well, yep. no matter what. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, brilliant. I mean, How about some
0: so I mean if there's companies now looking at support in the APAC read,
1: I mean what advice would you give to these guys Well you know look for understand what you want to achieve right that's the first thing you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater so <laughs> understand exactly what it is that you're looking for It's very easy to say you know we want to expand remote customer support in APAC or you know what are we looking for? What do we want to achieve? And that's important. Look for a partner with the track record in service. That's key. Look for a partner who's got experience in not just managing clients, but managing their side, their team, their staff. Keeping There's lots of ways to identify uh, good employers. Understand the benefits. I mean, it gives you flexibility cost-wise. You know, Shifts more often than not from a variable to a fixed cost, you know, fixed from a fixed cost to a variable cost, right? Allows your organization to be nimble and agile, right, when facing internal or external changes and or threats and opportunities. So Asia Pack is, you know, like is very dynamic. Things change very quickly, and things change for one location may not be necessarily a threat or an opportunity for another location, but having that relationship, you know, you're looking for someone who is flexible, who is nimble, who's able to shift the direction, you know, when you need it. And again, I can't stress it enough. Don't move a broken process or a service, and then move on. For organizations who provide remote customer support, moving Expanding into the Asia-Pacific region, they, you know, they need to understand it. So it's a very competitive market, and you need to have a unique competitive advantage to sell, because they we've seen it all before in Asia-Pacific. And I think one of those advantages definitely is the ability to hold people, you know, to attract good people and to keep them there. Because that's a reflection then of the customer right that reflects directly on the customer if they're able to, to get the best of breed and, and to keep them there that's important. And the other one of course, is the broadness of, of the service that one is able to provide you know the flexibility of the customer support operator to provide services that that are needed on the ground I mean, we've seen the the India uh, tech support, Grow and grow and grow. But, you know, the competitiveness in that market has almost lost the appeal from a cost perspective due to the competitiveness. Um, There's no question you've got some brilliant tech graduates out there, but the cost, the arbitrage, it's not what it used to be. The other one, of course, is language. You know, I mean, the Philippines is by far the best from a language perspective. English is is a first language there. Everyone is uh, fluent in in English. They also, from a finance perspective, we um, we moved the finance customer support. So we moved our finance teams from on location to to offshore because the Philippines had such a significant graduate, you know, produced so many graduates, finance graduates, accounting graduates there. And a lot of it was uh, desk extension, as, as I've said before. That worked quite well. But again, you know, when, when you do it, lots of other people start doing it. And uh, you build up that hot competitive market from a cost perspective again.
0: Okay.
1: Um, really so, interesting. So. Great, George. Listen, thank you so much. Really
0: great insights there. I learned an awful lot myself. Really appreciate your time today. And I understand that you will be helping a lot of companies in this space. So if they would like to reach out to you, what's the best way?
1: Look, I'm on. I'm on LinkedIn. I do a lot of. I do a lot of uh, speaking as well, and at HR and, and tech summits. So, doing a lot of that. So, George Akel, A K L E, and I'm sure that'll be in the podcast brief there. Or visit the website at one word govern hr g o v e r n h r. And at the moment, we are you know providing a free one hour chat to where we we do a. a uh, a review and discuss what you're looking for so we can always help in that regards but yeah that's pretty much it awesome thank you listen george thanks again i really appreciate it i look forward to speaking again soon thank you very much for your time and thanks for having me i really appreciate that keep up the great work at ops talent it's uh, going places so uh, really excited to follow
0: oh thanks george really appreciate that